Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Living on Blockchain. Today we are speaking to Colin. Colin is is a blogger. He is an award-nominated blogger actually and he's a writer. He was a podcast host as well as you know now he's guesting on these podcasts. His genre is basically um comic writing so to say. He's adding a lot of light into people's lives and he talks um In this particular conversation he talks a lot about mental health and how he got into the blockchain and crypto space. It's something that I feel very passionately about as well, uh the importance of mental well-being and how it is increasingly becoming important to pay attention to our mental health. So this was a real fun conversation. Let's uh, deep dive right in. Hi Colin, uh thank you so much for taking out the time to speak to me today. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. We're uh, we're muddling through here. It's been um been an interesting few days with uh, new lockdown restrictions that have just come in but we're right. getting there yeah it's a hard time for everybody i think it's been a very strange year it it been nothing i don't know any other way to describe it <laughs> there's been i think too much going on um yeah I mean, there's always stuff happening but this year there has been more doom and gloom more more low points than at any other point i can remember it's and the sad thing is as well it's been on everyone's lips there hasn't really been anything else to talk about yeah it's like it's like you know trying to ignore the elephant in the room when you try to talk about other things somehow covid and the lockdown and the hardship it just makes its way into the conversation well we can try not to do that if you want <laughs> that's absolutely fine i think all right well, we'll have a back we'll see how we do yeah yeah we can try so you know go ahead and tell us a little about your background and you know how did you get into uh, blockchain and crypto per se sure So I uh I grew up in the countryside of England. Moved to London when I was 17 and started working um in major financial institutions. Then moved into recruitment for that sector. Moved out to New Zealand for a year, played rugby over there, came back to London. Mm. And yeah. So everything was kind of normal-ish life, I guess. Um mm. up until about 2007, we saw again really horrific neighbor problems. This okay. kind of came to a head in 2010. and okay. I got acid attacks on my doorstep. Now, this is quite a, yeah, it's I mean, it is not something I talk about very freely or easily. Mm. It's not an easy subject to talk about. But, you know, it happened and it is my history. There's right. you know, I can't pretend that I've got someone else's. Right. So anyway, after that, I was you know, I'm a big ex rugby, ex Thai boxing, so I'm a big physical guy. Right. Um, that cut me in ways that I think were unseen by mm. most people. And this came to a head in 2014 when I almost got to the point where I took my own life. Wow. Okay. Again, I'm, not I'm easy subjects. Thank you. I mean th- again, these aren't easy subjects to talk Absolutely. about, but yeah. that doesn't mean that you shouldn't talk about. Them. Yeah. It's a hard point to reach in your life when there doesn't feel like there's any way that's up. Yeah. So gradually I started clawing myself back, finding my way back out of the hole I put myself in mm. and I still am you know it is not a, an overnight process where you wake up one day and you go oh, I'm yeah. better no it's an everyday uh, battle right oh totally yeah it is a I got diagnosed with post traumatic stress disorder uh, mm. anxiety and depression uh, there are three tags that I hate because there's a lot of suggestion that comes with those Yeah, that's true. Where you are too volatile, you could fly off the handle, your emotions are all over the place. And without, you know, the introduction that you've had to me, most people wouldn't know this. Hmm. You know, you walk around and nobody really sees the the, the real any you and you hit points in your life where you're convinced that everyone judges you as at your worst. I certainly Absolutely. did. 
Yeah. Sure. And that's not how most people see or saw me. Yeah. Trying to find a way to recognize that myself is a lot harder. Yeah, it takes us time to come to terms with that, right? We seem to think, uh, okay, uh, it's coming from the, the thinking about the worst possible thing that we could think of, but at times people are not even privy to such, you know, uh, they, they don't have that perception. And uh, they have an entirely different perception about us, uh, which we don't know. Absolutely. I mean, my other people's perception of me is mm. vastly different from mine. And that's from people who are brand new to meeting me, so yeah, guys I've known for years. When you are, when I found myself at my lowest, I was isolated a lot of the time. I wasn't talking to anyone, I wasn't sharing anything, I was letting everything build up for me. Mm. And were small things that added up, and those built and built and built. Yeah. Never shared it until it got to the point where I'd rationalized everything else in my own head. I'd had every conversation that needed to be had with every person I was ever going to see again. Um, I knew the outcomes of those conversations. I knew exactly the, the way that they'd go. And all the while thinking the absolute worst of myself. Mm. And it's a, yeah, it's a dreadful way to, it's an awful place to find yourself in. Absolutely, yeah. Because you don't have anyone else to as, as strange as this sounds share it with yes you can have that ability to get these noises out of your head and into the air mm. that's true and especially when you know you're isolated as you mentioned then you mm. know some you know some, nobody can really uh, kind of shake you out of it that okay perhaps or even try right to sh- and your mind kind of rules over everything else and at that point uh, when you're at your lowest it's it's like an abyss that you have difficulties of finding your way back from yeah i mean in my case I, I think in a lot of other people's cases as well it doesn't necessarily matter what other people say to you because you don't think it's sincere they're they're just saying it yeah yeah just to appease you right you, you feel that yeah. you're, they're just trying to be nice perhaps maybe not even that maybe they're just doing it because yeah that's the right thing to say there's no real meaning behind that and you forget that people don't have to say nice things yeah people don't have to go out of their way to pay you compliments or ask you how you are they don't have to do that they choose to yeah that is absolutely true and this is I, and, you know, you, you've made a very fair point. I think people, uh, you know, when obviously when you're sort of down and out, you tend to not believe even your uh, bestest friend or even your partner telling you. So it's, it's more like a battle within yourself and you sort of have to come to a point, uh, a break, you know, sort of where you make that breakout, so to say. What, what was that point for you? Good question. I, I spent a couple of years on antidepressants being told that, you know, you, you will get better if you just keep taking the pills. Right. Um, the answer was that that was not for me. Mm. And since finding out that they're not brilliant for loads of other people either, they oh. are the pills themselves are kind of a short term fix and they can throw your emotions around all over the place. So you can actually find yourself getting worse before you get better with these things. The difficult bit for me was that the pills don't really mask the emotions because whatever was causing the problems was still there and still is there. It is how you actually deal with the stuff that's weighing you down, that you find a, a route back when you're having another one of those internal crazy chats in your head where you're convincing yourself you are the world's worst person or you are ugly or you are stupid or you are worthless or that you don't deserve anything Mm. and not that anyone else thinks that just that you've rationalized it yourself the um i'm writing and blogging now almost full time 
and most of my stuff tends to be more comedy based but the more serious bits i've done have been on and around mental health because i spent a long time trying to work out how i'd got to this point in my life because you know as a kid you don't wake up and the first thing you think oh god god monday and at some point something clicks in with you in adulthood where that changes and you don't notice these that the small changes at the start I think it was when people really noticed the change in me or rather they noticed that I wasn't around as much. You know, I wasn't going out as much. I wasn't going to see friends, go to parties, down the pub, wherever we were going. Um, There would be an excuse made where I'd be better off on my own. Yeah. Um, I mean, the example that I use for the piece I wrote on loneliness was Nixon, Richard Mm. Nixon. Right. And during the Watergate scandal, he, bear in mind, he's the leader of the free world. Right. He had absolutely zero faith in anyone around him, lost all belief in those closest to him and just shut himself away. Yep, yep. And it, it doesn't work on any level. You know, there's there's only so long that you can do this on your own. Yeah, you do have people around you. Mm. Um, and we all, again, everyone does this from time to time. Everyone has these, these terrible thoughts where they beat themselves up and they you know, tear themselves down. And I think there's a degree of humility that comes with that. You know, you can't wander around thinking that you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof or about to be the emperor of the world. Yeah. I mean, maybe you are. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, at the same time, you also can't walk around thinking you're the world's biggest piece of crap. And, uh, you know, there is literally nothing that is worthwhile, nothing that will make you smile, nothing that will make you happy ever again. Because yeah. as I mean, as cliched as it sounds, things do get better. Yeah. But it does require a little bit of work from you as well. Yeah, it doesn't magically happen. So, you know, this is something that um, I feel very strongly about. So, you know, as a teenager, mm. I think um, I was suicidal. I was also depressed. And uh, I started, like... Um, you know, being an entrepreneur, I started my own company when I was uh, 19, I think. And wow. yeah, so it just, I think, uh, you know, it, it, that was a different uh, phase in my life when I was a teenager mm. and I was like dealing with uh, mental health in a different way. And then as an entrepreneur, I realized that um, it kind of doesn't go away. It's become a part of me and I yeah. need to be a little more aware, uh, or, you know, about it, aware of my thoughts and mind my thoughts, so to say. And as you said, you know, everybody has like uh, days when they are feeling low, mm. but, uh, you know, you need to be more aware about when that day, those days kind of add up to weeks and months. And that is perhaps when you need to sort of make an effort to mm. do something. And obviously this sounds really, you know, uh, it sounds wrong because it's not like people who go through these phases, they're not making an effort, but it is, it's just, uh, th- that is essentially, that's my perspective. And that is what I had to do. I had to become a little more self-aware of what I was thinking. And then um, coming as, a, as an entrepreneur, you know, um, there's a lot of talk about how uh, entrepreneurs kind of, it, it is, it can get lonely, right? Uh, so, Hugely. Yeah, so there's there's something known as I think founders depression, etc. So you know that yep. that is also kind of a battle that uh, it's it's an ongoing battle. I think it's not something that kind of goes away because there's always the next big mountain that you want to conquer, or there is a new problem uh, yep. that you know might really uh, dismantle everything that you've built. But uh, yeah, the mental health is very very important. The the stigma associated with it is uh, I think that that, uh, that I think would go away when you know people like you and I are talking about it constantly but I, I my key was that you know I just need to be 
a lot more self-aware, uh, you know, and uh, take decisions and mind my thoughts in, 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 on those lines. So that is, that is what kind of works for me on a day-to-day basis. And uh, yeah, but you know, this is a more uh, part you to be able to sort of share the story because it's hard. I don't think even I, I speak a lot about it, the, you know, how uh, mm. I, I perhaps was suicidal at some point, but mm. uh, I, I, it's not something, you know, you know, anybody likes talking about personally because it's a oh, dark God, though, time. It's, this is not glib, you know, happy-go-lucky conversation you have. Yeah. These are not normal conversations, but that doesn't mean that it's an abnormal situation. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people go through this, like you know, I did, and just never speak to a soul, but never yeah. say a word. And you hear all of a sudden people who, who do take their lives or who yeah. do find themselves suddenly just in a complete breakdown. And it's, it's out of the blue, totally unexpected. How could this person be like this? Yeah, but people don't talk about it. And because I think that is more, that is to do a lot with the stigma as well, that, you know, and how to sort of, express it as well because at yeah. times you're just at a loss of words right like how do you even express that kind of utter sheer hopelessness that you're looking at and how to sort of put it in words so that somebody else will be able to understand well and certainly i mean your example of the entrepreneurship and back to me the rugby you know i threw myself into that sport right yeah you know, i i was training i was doing gym work it was a point where i was playing you know six seven games in a month Right. And you know, making sure I was still there every week and, and during the week. And that became, you know, my thing for getting my stresses out, venting the bits that were on there. Mm. But again, it, it's someone said to me a little while ago, you know, did you have a happy childhood or are you funny? <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I think we know where this one's gone. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, these things do stick with you and Absolutely. you find you find a way to process them points in your life you know I when I was in my 20s I was really living the party lifestyle had a lot of fire in me uh, a lot of energy to burn off mm. a lot of places I wanted to go a lot of stuff I wanted to do and see still do but I found myself at a time in life where that no longer held any appeal right where yeah, I think I, everybody kind of reaches, reaches that point right like where that that kind of um, this party life so to say like as a teenager you're always wishing to sort of become an adult and do all of those <laughs> things and once you start uh, unfortunately the energy level dips right at some point yeah ever, ever so slightly i mean i i honestly i do not know how i used to play rugby i, I was watching a match at the weekend looking at this and these people yeah. are gods i don't understand any of this what did i do yeah but you know you you do find a way i think where for me the it was a cumulative effect for a while i yeah rugby was a big passion of mine for a very long time absolutely loved it and my career got cut a bit short through injury Uh, i say career it wasn't massively lucrative or you know very lucrative at all but it was the thing that i loved to do it was the thing that got my stresses out and that left a big hole in my life that i wasn't really sure how to fill because it's quite you know it's a very physical sport there's a lot of camaraderie and there's a brotherhood there as well Mm. and when that's no longer there it was great for a, a few months about a year, I think it was really good. It was quite nice not to be getting beaten up every weekend. But I was, I, you know, I needed to find something to fill that void. Um, I then took up Thai boxing because that's a, a natural progression, especially if you're too injured to play rugby. Um, yeah, and that was great as well. And for me, it was the the joy of being able to do a five minute round working pads or a bag and really thrash, you know, really go hard. Right. And when that, you know, I felt that all of that suddenly got taken away from me one day. Not that it had, it was mm. just my perception. Right. 
And the same thing again with, you know, people who don't succeed in business. They put this energy, this drive, this passion in. They work weekends. They put hours in. You know, they do courses. They study. Mm. They do all this extracurricular stuff outside of the business to try and make it work. Yeah. And then when it sort of doesn't succeed or it even <laughs> fails a little bit, it, it takes away a part of you, I think. Oh, huge. And, you know, it's the, the investment in time, the investment in energy, sometimes financial too. Absolutely. And, you know, stuff doesn't always work. You know, you don't always play the perfect game and you don't always win. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've been like an entrepreneur for now, I think more than around 12 years now. And uh, I think, uh, now, you know, every time I failed, obviously it added to my experience. Uh, and that's oh, a yeah. Good yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a good way to look at it. But then at that point, you know, it seemed like the absolute end. Uh, and, you know, mm. uh, I think the pop culture kind of feeds us that as well. Right. There is always like, you know, that overnight success story mm-hmm. that goes around. People tend to forget that uh, overnight success. I think this was a quote somewhere that, you know, takes like 10 years or something like that. And yeah. Yeah, so that that is that is the part that is not really talked about so much. That you know you have to fail a lot to actually reach a point where it is slightly working, and you know you might be uh, not constantly worried uh, that you know everything mm-hmm. crashing down in your head. I think that certainly with the the entrepreneurial thing, it yeah. can make a huge difference because you do view those failures as you know those are the life changers at some times. Hmm. But it again, it's it is that mindset, and as you said, it's not an overnight success. Nobody just yeah goes oh do you know what i've done this you know wow you're amazing you know it all that's not how life works yep yep yeah you know, I, I i'm trying my best to carve out my my career as a yeah, blogger slash writer freelance and if i were to look back from an outside perspective on how my year has gone it's actually gone really well mm. you know getting some freelance work coming in right i came runner up in an award um got nominated for that to begin with wow. you know that's a huge thing I'm yeah. actually getting paid for my work. Something else, yeah, something I never thought would 15 months ago would be a thing for me. Yeah. But I am nowhere near successful yet, not even close. But and is, again, success is very, very, it keeps changing. It evolves, right? Like, you know, you will reach that particular yeah. point and then you'll be like, there's more. <laughs> mm, absolutely. I mean, in my head, every time that I've published something, I have gone back and read it again. And go, oh, I need to, ch- I need, should go back and edit this. Yeah. And it's a real difficulty for me not to go back in, not to go and put an apostrophe somewhere or change a colon to a semicolon. Something yeah. really inconsequential, you know, something that if it was published, no one else would notice. But in my head, it's that little thing that needs changing. Yeah. And I, I fight that urge with every piece I publish. You know, I do edit it very closely and I do double check and triple check. But every now and then a mistake does creep in. I leave them there because mm. it's a reminder to me that when I do go back and check again, to be more careful, to be yeah. a little bit more aware of what I'm doing. And if I notice it again, perfect. It means that it's it's something I've learned from. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a wonderful way to look at it. I think it's all about a learning experience. So, you know, there, there are a lot of failures, but then, you know, they can be uh, it sounds again like a cliche or bad cliche that that it's like a stepping stone to uh, success or at least where you want to be. Yeah, it's I mean, look, it's a rocky road, I think, for everyone, no matter which route you choose. You know, no one is um, no one gets to the top of their game in sport without a couple of obstacles in the way. Likewise, business mm. um, yeah, in life, too. You know, you don't just breeze through it with nothing happening to you. That's that's not how it works. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely correct. I think, you know, uh, it's. It's, I think that is why it's more important to sort of talk about um, 
failures as well and you know you should be wearing your failures it's it's too much to say that you should be wearing it like a badge of honor but ideally that is what we should be doing uh you know to if you're a commercial airline pilot and you've crashed your last 19 planes (laughs) maybe think about just think about a career change but (laughs) there's a limit with everything um yeah yeah, sometimes you're just not suitable for stuff yeah that is true yeah, I think finding the thing that makes you happy and that doesn't have to be with work. You know, work doesn't have to be the thing that brings you all the joy in the world and you, you spring out of bed every day to get there. But this if you can do so something that, important. And well, no, so pertinent, something right? that allows you to enjoy yourself outside yeah. of work, where you're not your job, where it's not your be all and end all. Mm. Whatever. Well, yeah. yeah, that is very true. Now, nowadays, you know, people tend to sort of, um, they talk a lot about passion. Uh, mm-hmm. They talk a lot about, okay, you know, you need to be a little happy about your work, but uh, at times that might not be the case, right? I, I'm, I'm certainly like, I'm pretty much very sure that it wasn't the case for our parents, that, you know, work was not making them happy. But, uh, you know, I am not talking about re- whether they found mm-hmm. that other thing that was making them happy or not. But I am saying that right now, because there are so many opportunities, people tend to think that, you know, whatever opportunity the last one on should also bring them a lot of joy it should obviously not drain you but it doesn't need to be the sole uh, source of your uh, contentment or joy absolutely you know you you do what's right for you and for some people that's not forging you know you're not not everyone can be a rocket scientist or a university lecturer or a ceo and not everybody wants to be either exactly yeah i think yeah there's an awful lot of pressure put on people that you know you should be the top of your gate you should be doing you this person's doing this why aren't you Mm. and you know it's different strokes for different folks is the old expression (laughs) not everything suits everyone yeah yeah this is is what i'll call the episode (laughs) different strokes for different folks that that could that might work actually yeah yeah. But it's true, you know, you, you have to find a thing that brings you joy. I remember, the, again, being at my lowest when I was in a really just foul mood. I took the dog out one morning to go and watch a sunrise because obviously a sunrise is a beautiful thing and, you know, you get uh, emotions and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Well, I sat down on the beach with my best friend and, you know, petted his ears and waited for the sun to come up and I was absolutely dispassionate about it. Mm. It was some colours and then it got really bright and then it hurt my eyes and then I went home. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, what was the point of that? Yeah. <laughs> and it is, you know, you go down there to watch the sunrise and expect the sunrise to lift you up and cheer you up when you're thinking the absolute worst about yourself and you're feeling like dirt and it doesn't do that for you. Yeah. Well, why is it not done that for me? It, it should do that for me. You know, it, it's kind of you getting there yourself as well. You've got to make a bit of an effort too. To appreciate it absolutely that's true again you don't come to... i mean I, I sat there that morning thinking you know god i'm such a loop god I'm such a failure you know this is what my life has come to i got up at five o'clock in the morning i'm watching this and even then i'm not happy yeah and how on earth you were supposed to appreciate it when you're feeling like that absolutely or thinking like that. it's a lot about perception you know life will throw a lot of curveballs at you and how you sort of deal with it and how you perceive it would really change your day-to-day living i think I, um, there's an old rugby analogy, and for each game that you play, it's like being in a car crash at about 40 miles an hour. Mm. So that's kind of where the levels of injury get picked up. Um, you know, people do get broken legs, broken arms, busted ligaments, jaws, they lose teeth, same as in a car crash. Mm. In most cases, people walk away with a couple of cuts and bruises, and they're absolutely fine. Mm. In some cases, they can be fatal. 
but you don't get to choose the effect of that car crash that you're in. Yeah. You don't get to pick which injuries that you walk away with. Hmm. And that's kind of how life is at points as well. You know, you don't get to pick some things that happen to you along the way. They right. just turn up. Um, whether the universe likes playing massive cosmic practical jokes on you, as it seems to like doing with me, you know, whether it turns out you were a dung beetle in a former life or Stalin or someone, <laughs> yeah, whatever it may be. But I, again, it is, we, we talked about this a lot here. Um, your perception of yourself is really important. Yeah. And you don't have to be the king of the world. You don't have to feel superior to everybody else. You don't have to feel inferior to everyone else or that, you know, you're just slotting in nicely. You've got to find a way that you're comfortable with you. Mm. You're just comfortable with being you yourself and, you know, sort of figuring out your own rules regarding how you want to go forward with your life. It's one life. It's a short life. Yeah, it is. And it's not there to... For you to spend your time beating yourself up over it absolutely absolutely. you know you can't spend the rest of your life dwelling on every little thing and mm. as i did for so long you know going back and picking through how things used to be yeah. and why they didn't go as you'd wanted them to and why you're you know why you didn't prepare enough for that why you didn't put enough thought into it why you weren't more aware of what was going on at the time yeah any number of things why, why you said the things you did, why you turned left instead of right. Yeah. So I think most of our problems also sort of come from uh, how we want things to be against, uh, as against how things are or how, you know, we think perhaps we could have done something else. Uh, so I think uh, that that also kind of really uh, messes it up for a lot of people, right? It does throw a spanner in the works too, because we do have this perception of ourselves, right? This, this idea yeah. of what and um, i honestly believe that if i ran the 100 meters in 9.5 seconds hmm. i'd be happy for about three seconds <laughs> right. and then immediately think well i need to do better than that yeah you know i should i should probably take up long distance running now as well i should you know do that and you know hmm. you're not you're not right for everything and not everyone gets to be world champion yeah but that that is not what life is about yeah so, you know, uh, you, this is this has been very good because I think uh, we kind of, um, we wear and think about how we feel about these things. I think that, you know, life is about uh, figuring out your own jam and, you know, trying to get better at it. But as you said, you know, you don't have to beat yourself over it. No, and, you know, th this idea of perfection as well, it is, it's a bit of a false one because it's your own idea of perfection. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It, it is about the idea. It's basically about the idea of how things should be in your head. Yeah, I mean, I've I've never met anyone who has said to me, you know, I wanted to be a millionaire all my life and I got there and then I just stopped. Yeah, exactly. That is what I'm telling you. You know, that is this is something that I realized uh, sometime this year only that big moments that in my head, they, they were big moments that I thought that, you know, they'll come to pass and I'll be really happy, so yep. to say. They come and go, right? Uh, like it's it's, it's a moment, <laughs> and then you know you're looking at the next big thing to do, and uh, somehow uh, it's actually again it's it's you know we are talking in a lot of cliches, but it's about just the journey I think that you undertake, and if you're not going to enjoy the journey, you are not going to enjoy the uh, you know the when you reach that particular goal either. No, you you've got to find your joy in life. You've got to take some satisfaction. You've got to find something that feels good for you. 
Yeah, I mean, for some people that's dancing or singing or playing an instrument, I cannot tell you how unsuitable I am for any of those, like literally any of them. Yeah, that's the worst idea I could possibly have. And I'm very lucky that my passion doesn't lead me down that path because God, mm. I'd be awful at them. You know, I'm, I'm conscious of that too. Yeah, likewise, I'm probably not going to be heading up a Fortune 500 company anytime soon. And I'm actually very okay with that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like, I, I know, weird, for everybody. <laughs> but that's that's not who I am or who I, I wanted to be either. You know, even when right. I was working in that environment, right. you know, coming to terms with that and recognizing that, you know, that wasn't where my my passion and my joy was. I didn't take a great deal of joy from the jobs I was doing. Mm. Yeah, I did, however, take a great deal from what I was doing outside of work. Mm. And that kind of stays with you, then. Yeah, it um, it, it can put you off. I think. I mean, it's certainly my, uh, yeah, my time working in, in any form of banking is done. I, I've said last time, never again, and mm. I will stick by that. It's one industry that I would never return to. Yeah, that's, that's, that is, you know, understandable now that, you know, you have all this experience. That kind of brings me uh, to what, it, what I wanted to know next. So how did you get sure. into, the, you know, blockchain or crypto space per se, considering your oh, banking okay. background? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I sat around, as I said, for a long time with me, myself and my thoughts. And as I gradually started to come out the other side, I started looking for a route back because as bonkers as I am, mm. I, I need to get you know comfortable in what I'm doing as well. So I started having a look around and I uh, there was a fairly innocuous conversation down the pub. Uh, I think it was about 2016. And Bitcoin got mentioned. Right. We got talking about this. And so, so what is it? All right. So how do you get it? All right. Well, what's it worth? This sounds like crap. And I did nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing for about 18 months. And right. then slowly I started to hear a little bit more about blockchain and crypto and what was going on. So I managed to time it absolutely perfectly, which is I bought in to Litecoin mm. just after the December 2017 bull run. Right. So I literally bought in on the 1st of January 2018 was my first uh, venture. Okay. And I watched everything absolutely tank. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute right. disaster. I thought I'd done my research. Crypto's the future. This is it. This is it. Moon, moon, moon. <laughs> Lo and behold, no. Mm. And after a few months of realizing that I wasn't going to wake up hip deep in Lamborghinis, I decided mm. that I needed to start finding out a wee bit more about what was going on. Right. So I started looking at things that were being developed in the space, mm. what other cryptos were out there beyond the top 10, what use case was for blockchain. Mm. And I discovered something called uh, the ILP, Interledger Protocol, which mm. is the thing that XRP runs on. Right. There's also something from that called web monetization, mm. whereby you can earn for your content that you create mm. based on views, link clicks, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so I started to produce, I, I, I will freely admit this, absolutely dreadful written pieces really boring uninteresting i'm sure they were not that bad no they were this is me telling you this with my hand on my heart rubbish <laughs> absolutely awful. but this is me with hindsight now and at the time i was looking back over these having not really done a great deal for a very long time there's a real mm -hmm. nervousness about actually publishing your first piece and putting yourself out there for critical internet acclaim from a load of strangers you're never going to meet mm. 
what will these people say? <laughs> As it turns out, these people didn't really say anything too horrible after all. And it was, yeah, I actually got quite encouraged. And I realised that I do have a bit of a talent for this. I'm not going to say that I, you know, I've, I've honed this art form or anything even close to it, but I am finding my feet and I do feel like I'm getting there. Mm, I'm glad, you know, and uh, your Twitter page is absolutely hilarious. I follow it and <laughs> whatever you post. Yeah, I, yeah, Twitter's quite the thing. I mean, this is, I mean, bear in mind what you and I have talked about for this conversation. Most of my work is comedy writing. Right. And is something that I've always liked. You know, I, I do love laughing, but I love to make other people laugh as well. Hmm. And That's finding the ability... from the few conversations we had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not the world's most serious guy at times. But I, um, for me, that was a real challenge because this takes work to... Hmm something put together where i mean it, it's very easy i mean you've seen what my twitter feed's like yeah there's a few experiments that go on there that then go on towards that some of the published stuff is it's kind of like my playground for testing things out mm. i um finding a way to use my words to make people's lives a little bit better has been really rewarding yeah. because i get some i mean i get some lovely feedback from people now really kind things Hmm. And I touched on this earlier that people don't have to say. Same things. Uh, yeah, they don't. You know, I, I get really honestly flattering messages from people who I've never met, who have never read my stuff before, who just say thank you. Hmm. Or, you know, I've never read something like this. Because you say blogger and it's like a dirty word because I am not like a hobbyist blogger. You know, hmm. I don't write about recipes. That's not true. I did try writing about kittens and recipes and it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> Terrible. Rubbish. So I, I acknowledge what I am good at and what I am not good at. Yeah. And certain things that I can turn my hand to better than I can to others with this, which is part of the finding my feet process. Yeah. But the, um, the award nomination earlier this year was, I, mean, I, I was blown away by that to begin with. And the fact I managed to come third, mm. even after the competition started six weeks before I found out about it, <laughs> I, I'm pretty happy with that. That seems all right. No, it's wonderful, I think. You know, what you're doing is uh, you're being true to yourself. And I think that is very important uh, that, you know, if you're, if you're being kind of, that is, I think, that is uh, a real sincerity, right? You know, you're being sincere with yourself, you're being sincere with your work, and you like doing what you're doing. And that kind of always... Uh, makes whatever you produce uh, a little more special i think if you you need to have passion to yeah, to, yeah any form of creative stuff and I, this sounds terrible and i do acknowledge how much of a knob i sound um but you know whether your music art, you know, art writing whatever your creative thing spills out towards you know that level of passion that you put into it is what other people see absolutely and it's visible for everybody to see if you're putting passion in your work and <laughs> if it is something that you like doing uh then yeah it's, it's visible to everybody to see and people are uh, people acknowledge it like you got acknowledged with this particular award i mean i was doing a podcast earlier this year and I was doing this with a really, really sharp young lady who said something to me which has stuck with me, which is, if you're not interested in writing it, why mm. would people be interested in reading it? Right, yeah. And that has stayed with me the whole time. And it's one of the, the things that I think about before I even start doing it now mm. is, am I interested in this? Because if I'm not, then that's not going to come through in what I'm putting out. Yeah. It's like making a sale, right? Like, you know, um, it's just a bad example, perhaps. But like, if you're not convinced about the product yourself, you're not going to be able to sell it to anybody else. Yes. 
And having run my own business, I can tell you that's unequivocally true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So now that you know you have been in the crypto and blockchain space for a while, are there any particular projects that you know you um, especially vouch for, or you know you really? Um, are we talking specific coins or companies? Uh, both, actually. Uh, you know, sure. you can start with coins, and you can talk about more platforms as well. Sure. So, um, I think for most of us who have got into crypto, the first thing we hear about is Bitcoin. Yeah. And that is generally everyone's routine because it's the thing that appears on TV stations and in financial papers all over the world now. Absolutely. And more and more. That's normally for people's first entry into the space. And once you kind of get your head around the concept of what Bitcoin offers, that then you is, wanna, that is like the starting point. Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of the rabbit hole you fall down because yeah, my first question was, okay, well, what is there outside of Bitcoin? And lo and behold, I found six, seven thousand odd coins, mm. hundreds of exchanges, you know, dozens of media sites. I found crypto Twitter. Um, I briefly stumbled into crypto Facebook, then ran away screaming. Um, you know, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, don't, don't go on crypto Facebook, for God's sake. Um, but, you know, there's an enormous ecosystem that mm. runs under the surface of blockchain. And I don't think from the outside in, people really appreciate how big the space is, how many people are looking at it on a corporate level as well, not just kind of the... I don't like this term, but it's quite an apt one. The bedroom investor, where someone is, you know, doing their own research at home, putting money from their salary in. Yeah. Um, someone who's not traditionally trained in financial markets, who doesn't right. work in environments, you know, someone who's actually done this from scratch. Hmm. Bedroom investor sounds like a really derogatory term, and it's not meant to. Um, it's where we all start out. 100%. In terms of projects, um, I, as I said, started off with Litecoin. Hmm. And uh, yeah, we all know how that went. Um, I then, uh, I basically, I seem to stumble from pillar to post in disasters okay. because I, uh, again, XRP was my uh, my follow up from there, and right. I liked a lot of what Ripple were talking about. Um, when I started investing there, they were having conversations with uh, Bank of India, hmm. central banks all over the place. Right. And where XRP is now versus where it was a couple of years ago with the rumor mills grinding mm. is a very, very different place. There's other huge projects that I think people know less and less about. I mean, there's an awful lot of work going on with Litecoin that people don't know about. What's happening with Ethereum is, mm. I mean, very, very interesting times. Yeah. We then look at things like uh, what's happening with Bitcoin Cash. And right. Be the forks. Um, where did Chainlink suddenly come from out of the blue? Right. And there's um, over, you know, I've been in this space now for about two and a half years. I've seen projects come and go. There's the ones that seem to me to have the longevity mm. are the ones that are making the strides to reach out to business, to work with others, to make life easier to get into the space. Mm. To basically, you know, perhaps make make this entire ecosystem a little more. It's supposed to be inherently inclusive, but because of the technology mm. aspect, uh, that you know, at times doesn't come across. It comes across as something that you know uh, only nerds get into. <laughs> oh yes, I mean, again, I I am 
quite proudly a nerd now. I think it's geek chic, maybe that's it. Uh, yeah, I think it, that, it sounds a lot cooler, right? Yeah, <laughs> she keeps changing the terminology. I think I've always been annoyed. So yeah, big yeah, cheek. Okay, yeah, go with that. It's a goodie. Um, mm. <laughs> what else is in there? There's there's a lot of different coins for a lot of different use cases. So V chain, for instance, I'm very mm. interested in. Uh, okay. Big big fan of where that's going. I like what Zilliqa's up to. Okay. Zilliqa's yeah. got some uh, some genuine use case, and Ocean's another one. The uh, there's such a broad spectrum of this and it's very hard to lump everything into the same box still yeah and there is so much going on in this space it's really hard not yet to keep an eye on everything you know there's how many coins now six thousand i believe seven thousand and counting yeah yeah i think that number keeps increasing every day so there is a lot going on but then you know uh, now there is a lot of uh, noise around DeFi. so do you have mm. uh, you know do you have a take on DeFi? I have a really unpopular take on DeFi. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I've got a really unpopular take on it. I don't see it adding a great deal of credibility to the space. It okay. feels a little bit like uh, the days of the ICOs, with the initial coin offerings. Right, in 2017. Hmm. Yeah, um, where it was the traditional pump and dump thing. Um, what I have seen so far seems to be that people get an airdrop and then rush for the exit as soon as possible. And whoever gets to the exit fastest is the one who might actually make some money. Mm. And at some point, someone will be left holding something that's worthless. That's true. That is absolutely true, I think. But DeFi, it's very hard to sort of, uh, you know, figure out which projects are actually trying to uh, move and uh, create, you know, create solutions. Like long-term yes. solutions, as you talk about. Otherwise, um, there are a lot of scams and there are a lot of rug pulls, etc., which is giving DeFi a bad name, frankly. Oh, huge. I mean, I, I fully admit, you know, it was one of the things that I did last year. I wrote, I put an entire scam website together. I uh, got turned over by an arbitrage bot. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I, again, I'm, I'm really honest about talking about this stuff because I'd rather that people didn't make my mistakes. Right. I, yeah. I, you know, my screw-ups are there to be learned from by other people make your well make your new mistakes yeah you know i mean realistically if the titanic are looking for a new captain i'm available so it's worth <laughs> bearing in mind yeah but i um so i having worked in finance before there was something mm. called an arbitrage bot right and what it offered to do was arbitrage your crypto between exchanges sell high one buy low on the other right. and there would be a profit generated you mm. didn't have to do anything other than send them some crypto, they'd then start sending it back. Now, mm. this, with hindsight, and the way I've described it, sounds like the world's biggest Ponzi scheme. Mm. And it wasn't the world's biggest Ponzi scheme, but it was still a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Um, really simply, what they did is they pocketed all the money, and the early investors, they paid out with the later investors' money. Mm. One day, there were technical problems and the payout stopped. Yeah. So they had a quick period of time where they said, oh, no, this is a third-party technical <laughs> issue. In the meantime, went around taking down all their social media, destroying everything, deleting right. all accounts. Um, they got away with millions of dollars. Um, this yeah. was a scam they repeated for Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Litecoin, uh, digibyte as well i believe mm. and they did this very successfully for a period of months wow. so 
at the end of this, when I discovered that I had been scammed and that I wasn't getting any money back and this future promise of wealth wasn't all it was cracked up to be, mm. I had another moment of beating myself up and going, God, you're the world's biggest idiot. You're such a loser. Why are you like this? Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I should, there's that word, have known better. Yeah. But I made a mistake. Mm. But and, you know these—they're they're very convincing, right? Like oh, hugely. You know they are—they are designed to be convincing. Yeah. Um, the cut and thrust of most scams is that you know people who have a magic money printing machine. Mm. If they wanted to give you lots of money, mm. they wouldn't need your money to do that in the first place. Yeah. Which is surprising when you put it like that you know if they've got this magic formula for creating infinite wealth why are they taking your money to give you a tiny fraction of that yeah no so yeah i think you know doing your own research becomes like very important but again you know um there is a limit to how much an individual can do considering these uh these oh, I, I, mean, has your... I looked at this arbitrage bot for about a month before mm. joining and the reason that I joined it was because my social media feed was lit up with people saying, this is great. This is mm. working. I'm getting this much back. Thank you so much. This is great. Yeah. And lo and behold, uh, that changed almost overnight as fingers got pointed at people. You know, there were referral links where people could earn by bringing their friends on board. Mm. Um, for the older people in the space, BitConnect was one that was an absolute disaster. Mm. huge and very similar along these lines as well where you're encouraged to bring your friends and family in um it's really difficult when there are still things like that going on and they're highlighted but the traditional financial world has just as many of these go on as well yeah that's it's absolutely very, true. Yeah. it's very easy to forget that in crypto that there aren't still people who are selling you know fake shares or fake bonds yeah. or setting up organizations that they know their investment portfolio is going to fail Mm. And that's why it's being set up to do that. Yeah, you know, you know, that, it, that I think it's it's not. It is even though it does come into the uh, uh, you know news and stuff. Uh, somehow mm. people tend to uh, they're more. Uh, it's easier to forgive, I think, the traditional monetary system for people than you know an upcoming technology uh, where uh, oh, there are too many naysayers, right? Well, exactly, and worst of all, because it's crypto, it means you don't mm. really understand what's going on, right? Exactly. Yeah, you don't understand it, and when you don't understand something, you either fear it or you know, or you just become a naysayer and into yeah. And it, yeah, it's really easy. There's the crypto analogies are toughy because the traditional, and I, I don't like that word, but it's the best I have. Mm. The traditional financial world, you know, views it as a criminal's currency where it's used to buy guns and drugs and, you know, people traffic and all the rest of it. Right. So you'd be staggered to hear what people used and still use to buy guns, drugs and people traffic because somehow it doesn't all get converted to a crypto and sent elsewhere. You know, there's huge funds that still throw, flow through the world's major financial institutions yep, yep. on a daily basis. Yep, and that is just, that's, that's happening right under our noses. And somehow um, mm. crypto gets like a, I, I think it's it's more, it's like, you know, any new technology kind of uh, faces a lot of backlash because again, it comes down to understanding. I think it was the same with when electricity came about, right? There were, uh, print media had like a field day saying that you're everybody, uh, it, it's like, why fix something when it's not broken? That was like their uh, particular reasoning. Why would you try to bring something in that, that has potential to electrocute people and people can get mm -hmm. injured, etc. So I, I think there is always, uh, 
like I think Andreas Andronopoulos had like said it in his book or a video that uh, there'll always be criminals and people who kind of take two newer technologies uh, in a much faster fashion uh, because they have yeah. like moves. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's a simple thing, really. I mean, the people adapt a lot faster to things than government law enforcement. Yeah, it's a much bigger wheel to turn for yeah. them. Yeah. And I, that's been one of the things with regulations as well and why crypto is viewed as such a shark tank sometimes from the outside mm. because of that perceived lack of regulation. I think a lot of it is about re-educating people about how you need to start treating your money because we've got yeah. very used to things like one-click pay or yeah. using your phone. You know, cash is very rapidly becoming a thing of the past. Right. Um, the security required to keep your phone locked, keep your funds on your phone or on your card, mm. you know, but for most of us, it's kind of second nature now. Right. Absolutely. Um, so re-education is key, I think. You know, it's, I think financial literacy is very important and somehow it's never really touched upon when we do our, you know, formal education. Yeah, it's... Oh, yeah school for me was not the greatest time in my life and yeah. I didn't enjoy it and you know, I, I find out why because it's not how I learn yeah you know, it's no. not how I geared up to store facts and information mm. not that some of it didn't sink in mm. but it's how I learn best is I learn best by doing not having something regurgitated back at me yeah and I think yeah that's for me why a lot of the school stuff wasn't wasn't as great as it could be I just lost interest in it because it was boring yeah, it becomes irrelevant. Like while you're even going through it, you feel that it's irrelevant, and yeah. uh, you know the practical nature of things kind of does not align align with what is there in the textbooks. Oh, Tarisha, I, I assure you, if you met some of my teachers, the subject matter was utterly irrelevant, no matter which subject they taught. Really? <laughs> Absolutely. This was <laughs> this okay. Southern England in the early nineties. We we had some strange characters in the woodwork. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I, I think it, it does come down a lot to who's teaching it. But then again, the way people absorb information is also, as you said, assimilation is different for everybody. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, for me, it, it's one of the things that I've learned with, with I, I, I spent some time at Deutsche Bank back in, when was that, 2005? I think mm. I'm just trying to remember when their e-learning system came in. Um, we were revamping their e-learning system. Right. Um, all the courses that they run internally out of the what used to be the head office in London. Um, we were trying to get everything clear, concise and wrapped up for the company globally. And mm. the hurdles that we had to overcome, uh, trying to get everything synced up, working at the same time, get it all stress tested giving people access and making sure it ran without any hitches at all mm. it wasn't easy, but we got there. Yeah. And there was something I remember you said earlier where we should have had this great sense of pride and satisfaction in our work. And there were about four of us who were going, right, okay, we need to start doing stuff now and get working whilst everyone else was celebrating. <laughs> right. Where there's that, you know, it doesn't matter that, you know, yeah, we've done it. Right, okay, fine. What are we doing next? There was, mm -hmm. there was that degree of, right, we need really start concentrating now because we've done a thing mm, yeah okay so um you know now we've, we've, we've spoken about uh, DeFi. we've talked about your background there's also a lot of noise around nfts uh, what is yeah. your take on uh, nfts in general considering you know you come from again like from the kind of experience you've had in mm. the traditional monetary system uh what, what, what do you feel about NFTs in particular? NFT is huge, mm. potentially. 
Um, yeah. There are a lot of unseen things that are going on at the moment. Um, the NFT art scene is what people are mostly focused on at the moment because it gives someone a tangible asset that's attached to the token. Mm. Whereas traditionally what we have is you have your ledger or your, well, maybe not your ledger anymore, um, your other cold storage wallet or your exchange. Mm. You see your balance that's on there and you know what's up. Um, mm. There's nothing that accompanies that. Mm. NFT, um, just really briefly, non-fungible token, it allows the token to be transferred as well as the asset. So in right. this case, if you own a painting, the NFT comes along with it. Mm. Um, I spoke to a guy called Franklin Fitch recently. Mm. Uh, I don't okay. know if you know him. Uh, I, I don't believe I do. I'll, uh, I'll give you his, uh, his bio after we finish up here, but he's a really fascinating guy. He's very heavily into the NFT scene and sees where it's going. Okay. Um, the art scene has really embraced it because the traditional works that people do Mm. It, it, they create stuff, they hang them in a gallery, they hang them in a, another area. Um, there's an accepted loss when, if, when they sell the piece. Mm. And that's how they've always worked. Um, with COVID, which we're trying not to talk about, mm. all the gallery, all the museums, you know, all the restaurants and bars where things would be on display, where people would see it, mm. no one's in there at the moment. And revenue streams had virtually dried up for a lot of artists. But this concept of digital art is quite a tough one because most people see a meme and that's it. Yeah, that's what digital art or maybe like some sort of weird hentai thing that someone's thrown together. Yeah. As opposed to some of the incredible creations that are going on in the, in the art scene. Mm. And it's a bit like uh, street art or tattoos. You know, there's been, I'm not sure reticence is the right word, but maybe a wariness to embrace it, to accept it as you would other more traditional art. Mm. But where NFT goes from here, um, we're starting to see things where companies like Ubisoft are yeah. entering, um, where you've got companies like the NBA mm. who are also producing nft and we're looking at people who are influencers outside of the crypto space mm. how to people in art's doing that with the nft scene so if you can imagine let's say somebody like uh, a lebron james or an oprah winfrey mm. or barack obama right. just yeah if you can imagine something where their first original nft piece hits the scene it'd be mad more than that yeah absolutely um it's a new art medium yeah and there is there's a lot of movement there's a lot of people doing a lot of things but there are artists who are carving out a career now that's how the art scene's taking it on and provided a and other route into crypto for normies mm. what it offers beyond that uh could you have let's say a car with an mm. NFT, where the physical real world asset comes with the token mm. that provides a service history and ownership history, any repairs, any accidents. Mm. Would there be a use for that? That's, I think that's that's yet to be explored. But you know, um, the possibilities are absolutely endless. Like you know, when mm -hmm. I when I think NFT, I'm also thinking real estate. Uh, I'm not just thinking art, and I'm I'm thinking uh, you know when people kind of uh, invest in. Uh, all of these whiskeys and wines uh, that can be a good use case incredible use case again it, the, the idea of attaching a physical asset to something digital hmm. is 
I think, where we're looking at in the next natural progression, because we're quite used to the idea of uh, loot boxes in games. Right. Whereby, uh, let's say, again, I'll use the NBA as the example. Hmm. You know, you buy a loot box, you get some new kit, you get a star player, and that is worth something. It's a digital good Hmm. that is paid for with real-world money. Or, Hmm. you know, in the case of EA, EA bucks. Transferring that onto something physical, whereby, let's say, you could have a piece of property attached to an NFT, which is registered, uh, again, ownership history, uh, government uh, land registry, whichever one you have domestically, Mm. speeds up the process exponentially in terms of exchanges, cuts down on lawyers' fees, cuts down on paperwork. Yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of confusion as well, right? There's, you know, when it comes to property, uh, there's, there's a lot of, uh, it becomes, it can become potentially litigious, right? And uh, that kind of, that, that is also resolved if you're doing it uh, on blockchain. I mean, I've heard the number of people I know who've tried to sell something and because of the length of time it's taken, they've had the mm. buyers pull out or they've had the buyers suddenly drop the price last minute or, you know, suddenly wish to change the term. It's been a nightmare on yeah. so many different levels. And a lot of that is down to the speed. I mean, India bases a lot of its laws on UK laws. Right. Um, and some of our stuff is absolutely archaic in terms mm. of paper exchange. Mm. I mean, when I started working in the mid-90s, well, late-90s, um, the idea of the paperless office was what was being sold to us. Mm. And naturally, we got loaded up with more fax machines and photocopies than we <laughs> um, yeah, That was my early career, fighting those and a load of toner cartridges. Um, but, you know, the, the paperless office has been on the way for a while. It's never quite been perfected. Mm. And NFT, sorry, excuse me, NFT really does offer something to be very seriously considered. Um, mm. I've been interested to see what Cardano has been up to and how they've been migrating some things to their blockchain. Hmm. I think a lot of people are doing very interesting things, especially, you know, as you mentioned already, like art is, is such a big uh, use case and it's giving, it's opening up a lot of doors, I think, uh, for a lot of budding artists. And I think what? that, you know, the fact that it can, it is actually adding to opportunities um, in this uh, horrid time that we are not talking about, but <laughs> I think well, it, it, it's... You it's, think about a, a traditional artist. I mean, I, um, I, I can't think of... I, I'm not going to pull a name out of the hat, that's unfair. But if you've got someone who produces, you know, really beautiful paintings, really spends time and effort and puts love into their work, mm. and they hang that piece in a gallery to be sold, mm. The only people that see that painting are those people that come into the gallery Yeah. in a very competitive, very small space. Right. And it's hard for artists to make a name for themselves. Yeah. What NFTs allowed them to do is suddenly get a global reach for their pieces Absolutely. where they are no longer restricted by that gallery. Mm. They are no longer restricted by that sales structure either, where they can put a fair price on their work, where they can see what other people are selling and what the prices on that is. And, you know, where they can get themselves set up for commission pieces. Right. Um, you know, produce series as they want. It is it's incredibly liberating in a number of ways because the traditional print form of art mm. where you have, I mean, again, I'll use the example of a painting where you've got the original and then you have print runs, mm-hmm. the first edition, second edition. Again, you can do that with NFT. Yeah. No, I, I think, the, the you know, as you said, the future is 
uh, with uh, the right execution of NFTs. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, uh, people should be looking at them more seriously, uh, not just uh, at uh, CryptoKitties and, you know, sort of dismissing yeah. them. So, I mean, CryptoKitties is the, is the one that came out first. I mean, it's not right. the first one, but it's the one that came onto people's lips because it was like a fun, easy little thing, you know, like a, an embracer into the space. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, is it a long termer? I don't know. Probably not. But you know, mm. I've been wrong. I've been wrong in the past. <laughs> the the options of uh, things like Magic the Gathering was a conversation I was having. So you enter the uh, collectible card game, the CCG route. Mm. Now that throws up a whole host of other options because you're bringing again people like Ubisoft. You're bringing yeah. them in world, and you're they're not going to be the only ones who are creating this either. You know, there's mm. enormous up already for these yeah there's always been like a huge i think market for collectibles right and uh, this kind of this is what it is nfts are essentially uh collectibles at, at least currently like with the biggest use case that is there totally but in between those collectibles that are being carved out there's also the creator of the original superman and yeah. creator of batman number one mm. or you know the the person who first brought the fantastic four to the limelight yeah, you know, that that first initial image that came through, but this time they're not just being seen in a very limited print form. They can have the option of being seen everywhere, and that is—I mean, it's brilliant. It, oh, hugely! You know, the the revenue streams alone it opens up. In terms of being able to make a sustainable living on this, you know, people are starting to, and artists are being recognised for their work. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned street art earlier on you know Banksy is the name that's known around the world right. as the graffiti artist that brought it all through mm. uh, you know he still does pieces today did one on London Underground recently which they immediately cleaned because they viewed it as vandalism <laughs> <laughs> it's a good idea right um, again you know you've got a similar thing in the tattoo set where you've had people who would never normally be considered artists mm. who have I guess limited canvases for their work but thanks to the magic of the internet, suddenly get started to get their work seen more widely, started to inspire other tattoo artists. Yeah. And you get that degree of competition, you get that degree of talent, and you get, you know, people coming into it who would never normally touch it, who didn't think it was for them. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think that this kind of, you know, when somebody else does it, it I think encourages 10 more people to sort of at least look at it and consider uh, their passion a little more seriously mm. or take it a little more seriously. I'd hope so. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the NFT thing is huge. Mm. We're only looking at this in a very, very small aspect, which is the art slash collectibles thing. Yeah. There yeah, is... the, the use cases can be potentially really huge as, you know, as long as it's executed well, I think. Uh, but uh, definitely the future kind of uh, lies there and it will converge into uh, people taking NFTs more seriously and looking beyond the scope of just art. I mean, there's a level of efficiency that's involved as well, because yep. I mean, we touched on this briefly with the house sale. You know, you, you have an exchange hmm. and it's because everyone knows what they're getting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It, it is what it is. There's no hidden clause. There's no secret thing tucked away. There's no, you know, double check, triple stamp from a team of legal professionals or estate agents. It's just done. Yep. It's much more efficient. It's probably uh, it, you know, the way forward, I think. Uh, what a radical concept, right? You can yeah. buy something. It doesn't take you nearly six months to do. <sighs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That is that is crazy, right? Right now, I think... Um, I, I think all of us slowly are moving towards solutions which are more efficient, right? Like we, that is that is the reason why we order stuff. 
online rather than going somewhere obviously now we have to order stuff online because obviously yes. we are not trying to talk about but <laughs> otherwise well, it's <laughs> Look, it's, it's going on and it's ridiculous not to talk about it. We, um, hmm. the, the conversations that I tend to have with people now, because I'm, I'm one of these people who isn't glued to the news. Hmm. Um, I was at the start. I was incredibly aware of what was going on, but my perception of this has changed over time. Yeah. You know, we are where we are at the moment. In the UK, I'm currently sitting in what's called a tier four lockdown, um, wow. which uh, came into effect on Saturday, uh, yeah, Saturday at midnight. so we're we're quite new into this um what it looks like i don't know um i think the best one i've seen from it so far was at the weekend 371 more sleeps till christmas (laughs) (laughs) so i i think you've just kind of got to take what's in front of you at the moment um this year has been so utterly weird yeah the weird is the right word i think i'm sorry on some level i think that um this year kind of uh, help people prioritize things uh, mm. because they finally pause for a little while. And uh, so in that way, uh, you know, perhaps it was essential. Uh, we had it coming, <laughs> I think, uh, that, you know, we, we kind, of, kind of all of us are in on this uh, particular, uh, you know, rat race and we are we're going on. And I, I thought that the, it was a good year to recalibrate. But uh, again, obviously, it's been weird and it's, the kind of loss and uh, misery that it, it has brought in um, obviously cannot be undervalued. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had a couple of funerals this year. Um, my downstairs neighbour died in May. Um, wow. She I'm sorry. unfortunately had a heart Thank you. Um, she unfortunately had a heart attack in her sleep. Oh. Um, but we got woken up with her friend who was coming to take her to work, trying to resuss her. Mm. Um, anyway, long story short, we had to go to what's called a Facebook funeral. Oh, and it is a very sad and empty looking room mm. where there's a few words spoken and a few songs played as you'd normally get. And then everyone looks like they're you know, about to do their thing, but the feed suddenly gets cut mm. and you're left it, you know, sitting wherever you're sitting. In our case, it was sitting in the living room um, mm. with no nothing but. Oh, you've just got this this depth of feeling where ordinarily, you know, you'd have the option to hug people, to see other people, to tell stories and catch up and all the fun stuff. And that that just, you know, that's just vanished. You know, the, yeah. the ability to console other people around you is is a huge thing. And we've had a couple of these and they're absolute gut wrenches. They're really hard to do. Yeah, no, it's it's been... It's been a really, really, I think, bad year. It's just that that is, um, I try to look at it uh, with, you know, with, with like a little silver, I think, uh, so that it doesn't seem like another waste that, yeah, perhaps this was, uh, it's important for, you know, for people to sort of reprioritize, figure out where they, what they want out of life truly and get their priorities straight, I think. And right, I think more than ever this year, people discovered the importance of, uh, as you said, like, you know, meeting people, uh, your own family or whatever, whoever you call your family. Yeah, yeah, we, um, we've had, I mean, it's a strange one for me because I actually feel that this year has gone fairly well, which is surprising hearing me actually say that out loud, especially considering how everyone else's has been. Um, mm. You're right, it has given me, a lot more focus and it, it's also given me a lot more realism about where I am with stuff as well yeah yeah that's what I feel too so you know I even have lost uh, some um, relatives to this uh, horrible virus but uh, then again yeah thank you but uh, then again I, I think like everybody's had like a year of loss but uh, there mm. are some 
good parts to it as well. And as you said that, you know, it, uh, I think this year was uh, surprisingly like, you know, I, I uh, work well, went kind of well. Uh, so that was, that was good because it started going in the direction that we wanted to sort of go yeah. in. And uh, so that is why I can't completely say that, okay, yeah, what a terrible year, because I think work yeah. went well. So uh, I feel a lot grateful about it. There, uh, so think, you know, we, we can all have good or bad years despite what's going on around us. Um, yeah. And yeah, again, this year has been incredibly tough on so many levels. It's not Absolutely. been one thing. It's been multiple things. And it doesn't feel at the moment like there's an end. I think that's mm. the hard But you know, it, it's different if, you know, all right, I've got got three more weeks where I have to do this and yeah that's not been how it is yeah um, there, there is no end uh, even now right now with even with the vaccine uh, there and people getting vaccinated etc now, <laughs> now the damn thing is mutating <laughs> well it, it's a good question and the you know okay we've seen the Pfizer vaccine come out I'm trying to remember the name of uh, the other one that recently I think there's, well, I think it's Pfizer and it's Moderna. I think that's Moderna. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there's the Sputnik one as well from Russia. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I'm sure I've heard noises about a Korean slash Chinese one uh, that I can't remember the name of. Um, it's again having looked at what's being rolled out and where everything is going, um, things being marked for approval. What the world looks like next year, mm. whether or not this succeeds or fails. Mm. Um, it's, I mean, look, it's really challenging times ahead, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's insurmountable. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, the important it, part. Yeah. You know, there's, this year has been, there's been some incredible nastiness that's gone on, but I've also seen incredible charity, you know, acts mm. of towards others. There's been a lot of that. There's been a lot of generosity of spirit towards people. Yeah, absolutely. I think at times the, Worst also kind of brings out the best in some people, mm. and you know we've we've sort of seen uh, a lot of good also come out that kind of uh, reinstates our hope in humanity. Sort of yeah, thing. it does. Yeah, you know, and that's those are the important bits not to lose sight of either. That there are yeah. those people out there that, you know, that do make a difference. That do you know whether you know it, yeah, you know, whether they know it or not, they're the person that cheers you up, the person that uh, you you read something, you listen to something, that you you know you make a difference to them. Yeah, yeah. So no, I think that is exactly what I was trying to tell you. Like, you know, when we had spoken earlier, you kind of made made a huge difference to my day that day. And then, you know, I started following oh. you on Twitter and uh, I keep uh, laughing and giggling at the most odd times. By Sorry. Your content. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, again, I've done the corporate thing and mm. I didn't like it. And I'm not going to try and be something I'm not anymore. Yeah, I, mm. I know what I'm good at and I don't want to be some gray suited beige you know tied wearing guy that's not me yeah yeah that, that's not where i'm right and it's not where i fit yeah, trying yeah. to find the place where i do fit of course has been quite the challenge yeah but uh essentially everybody kind of finds their balance i don't know if everybody does i think maybe we are mm. very lucky that we have and you know uh, or i i think it's a work in progress every day i think of new things that perhaps I want to accomplish and do. And then self-awareness has to come there, uh, you know, whether I really want to do it or whether it's about hopping on the next bandwagon. But mm. uh, yeah, it's it's important. And it's important not to, as you said, lose sight of the important things when things are kind of uh, hard. And uh, that is essentially where we are. So, you know, this particular conversation, it has uh, been so free-flowing that we have completely uh, gone past our uh, deadline. Sorry. 
<laughs> no, I, I just no. I've just been having so much fun. Uh, but no, I, I I would like to uh, you know ask uh, my last two perhaps questions. Sure, uh, sure. I'll be quick. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Please take your time. These this conversation has been really fun, and I'm sure that uh, you know our listeners will enjoy it as well. So yeah, so my penultimate question: um, Who would you say are good thought leaders or good places to sort of absorb content if you if somebody's trying to get into the uh, crypto space? Good question. If you're trying to get into the crypto space, um, there's a load of media sites that are out there, uh, mm. depending on your local uh, your localization as well. So the I'm trying to achieve put me on the spot now because i'm going to have to start uh, reading off a load of people um we've touched on one of the biggest people who i first encountered which was a guy called andreas antonopoulos mm. and i first found him on the joe rogan podcast right where he was talking two about good Bitcoin. places <laughs> yeah two really good places um so he has been one of the people who's kind of flown the flag for bitcoin mm, he's instrumental not- i think Oh, yeah, he is. He's a very inquisitive guy. Hmm. And that inquisitive has, has led him to where he is now. And having listened to him talk a bit more and see where he sees things going as an end user, effectively. You know, yes, he does have a vested interest in it, but he's looking at this from the perspective of a person who uses crypto for their day to day lives. Hmm. Um in terms of people who I've been following recently, there's a few influencers who've caught my eye, but I don't want to shamelessly plug these people. <laughs> One of the things about crypto that I've always believed in is that you have to do your own research. That's true. Very, very true. Finding those starting points, finding the bits to have a look at, finding mm. the more trusted news sources mm. is difficult. Um, social media, for me, has been hugely beneficial. Yeah. Well, Twitter in this particular case. Um, there's a lot of good crypto information on Twitter. That's there's a lot of bad information on there as well. So mm-hmm. be yeah, careful. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody has to be careful with what and who they are listening to. That's very, very important. So, you know, uh, this is something that I ask everybody who kind of comes on the show. Uh, what would be your advice for someone who's perhaps peering in from the outside to uh, you know, essentially get into the space and start living on blockchain and get into like you know crypto in a big way okay um the short answer is little and often whether that <laughs> is making you know, buying your coin of choice mm. whether that is researching whether that is learning something within crypto be that trading be that what's going on in nft be that what is what new project is working with whom mm. The ability to make small incremental changes in what you're doing in the same way that people save money. Yeah, there was a point in time where I, yeah, I mean, there was a point in time when I was putting in five bucks a month. That's all I could put in, right? Five bucks a month. Yeah. And that was what I could do some months. Yeah. But I did. Yeah. And in between that time, I learned what I was putting into beyond Litecoin, beyond XRP, beyond Bitcoin. Mm. To it's not have the amount. A it's like it's about the discipline. I think. Hugely. I mean, one of the beautiful things for me is the amount of knowledge I've picked up just by osmosis. You know, yeah. my I'm my mind is a lot more inquiring than it used to be, hmm. and I the osmosis you get from other people in the space in the space because there are a lot of smart people. 
that's true. Has been really good for me. I mean, you know, learning things about the Greek political system, which is completely irrelevant to most things crypto, but learning mm. about you know Indian regulations and what's mm. happening with Indian exchanges and how that affects global demand supply. Learning what's happening with the states, seeing how the UK regs are tying up with the EU regulations. Right. I mean, this is you know, normally the most boring stuff alive. You know, I'd never read these things normally, but because I've got interested in what I'm actually putting into, yeah. I do want to know what's happening and I do want to find out what it means for me. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that, that is essentially, I think, very true. Uh, you know, you get into a new space, you have to constantly learn. You're constantly on, on your toes, right? Because this is such a dynamic space. It is. And it is. I mean, DeFi is the good example. It is incredibly fast moving. I mean, there's been mm. made and lost overnight, um, which is one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of it for the blockchain space. Um, there is the evolution, the creativity. Mm. And I think more importantly for me now as well, the type of people that are coming on board, you know, crypto and blockchain has traditionally been viewed as quite immature, right. not just in terms of the market itself, but more so the people who are around it. Right. There's a there's a lot more high caliber business people who are starting to migrate over. Yeah, there's and much more meat in the market, so to say. Yes, very much so. And not necessarily from traditional industries you might expect. Yeah. You know, the, the finance and banking side of things, sure, you know, absolutely, I understand that. But you'll start to see, you know, major PR and marketing heads start looking at crypto very seriously. Mm. You'll start at international companies, mm. um, names that are on everybody's lips start to look very seriously at long-term partnerships hmm. and when that happens it is it becomes exciting times yeah these are exciting times it's it's mm. uh, it's a good time to sort of delve into uh, this space because it's only going to grow uh, so yeah essentially uh, if anybody is sort of peering in all they have mm. to do is perhaps put, stick their toe in and just uh, get their hands dirty a little bit i think but there's no better time to learn either yeah you know, we we are Certainly in the UK, yeah, and sure in other places too, we are restricted in what we can and can't do at the moment. Hmm. And what you do with that time, yeah, it's entirely up to you. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Again, this is this is uh, this is something that needs to be said often. I think you know. Uh, I, I get that it's a hard time, and obviously, self care and taking care of your mental health is very, very important at this moment, and that takes that's that is like the highest priority. But then, what else are you doing with your time, considering you're so restricted? Uh, all over the world, I think everybody kind of uh, agrees to this particular notion. It's I don't think there's been any uh, single point in history where uh, people all over the world in every country could actually understand what you say when you say, you know, you're under a lockdown. Uh, it's nuts. It's so strange. It really yeah. is. But it's become, I, I hate calling it the norm, but it's become what people expect. Yeah. Um, and everybody so understands, right? So I think this is like a mm. good time for... Um, I think people are getting more, becoming more empathetic because they do understand what the other person is actually going through on some level because all of us are kind of having, going through this together and we are in yeah. it together. So, I mean, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I've said to people this year, yeah, friends of mine, you know, if you do need someone to talk to and mm. you're, you're not comfortable talking to me or whoever else, you know, there are lines available. There are people who, you know, volunteer their time or who do actually do this professionally. Yeah. Who are there to help? You know, they, your situation will always be unique to you. Absolutely. 
That's true. And your stresses and the pressures that you have will always be unique to you. So no one is going to completely understand. Hmm. But being able to talk about the things that are at the forefront of your mind and hmm. maybe getting some of those noises out in the air rather than having them in your with, just with your own thoughts with no mm. one else involved because that's where the destructive bit starts to come in where yeah. it becomes unhealthy and where you're you're not looking after yourself as well yeah because it manifests itself in weird ways because yeah. it's not just you feel a bit sad you will find yourself snapping at people more easily you're more short-tempered mm. you are not eating or sleeping as well mm. and all of a sudden you find that you're not eating or sleeping that well you're having really really shitty thoughts about yourself you're struggling with work because you're not taking any enjoyment out of it and you're hating everything else around you well you know there comes a point where that does have an effect Hmm. that's that's absolutely you know again hitting the nail on the head i think you know it's it's about uh, i had i think again i must have picked it up from somewhere but it basically uh somebody had a dialogue and they said it's just about uh not like screaming into a pillow before sleeping it's like you know you're just hoping that the screams are kind of heard by somebody uh, who understands yeah i um it, it's a toughie because i mean for me again and having not talked to anyone um mm. when you find that option is there to you you're not really sure what to do with it true and i mean i felt incredibly stupid mm. unbelievably stupid talking about anything at first but it it does get easier it's like with the writing you know i started off and it was terrible and mm. over time i've got better at it because i've put time in you know i've looked at what i've done before um it is a bit of self-reflection but it's a bit of kind self-reflection as well mm. knowing that you're not perfect knowing that you do make mistakes and that you will every single day for the rest of your life and that is okay yeah, hundred percent. You should. So, like, well, just I, I, wonder, life would be so boring if we were all perfect and not. Oh God! Can this, you, right? Like, can you imagine if we're all the same and no one ever screwed up? Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I a dull don't existence. Want... Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Who wants to live like that? Yeah, I, I really, you know, people want to sort of live in a uh, scenario, or they in the head, they want to be in a place where there are no problems to deal with. But honestly, that that kind of living will really like bore you out. I think very quickly. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it's really boring to live in a, a struggle-free existence where there are no problems. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how anyone gets any satisfaction out of life like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would be it's, nice it's to... It's relativity, that. right? You have to be... At some point, you need to struggle to actually uh, then, you know, enjoy the, uh, you know, satisfaction that comes from your struggle when, once they kind of go fruition. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the things that I found with me as well, um, and other people I've spoken to about this since, and I don't mean, you know, I'm not a trained mental health professional. I'm just mm. somebody who's gone through it and is still going through it. Yeah. Um, there comes a point where you, you acknowledge that maybe you're not doing everything quite right. Mm. And that maybe you're not completely correct in what you do and you say all the time. But, mm. you know, there's also an acceptance that other people aren't doing that either. Yeah. And it is, you know, it does go both ways. Nobody is perfect. Everybody overreacts. Yeah. And there are times in life when everybody does think the worst of themselves. Yep. Staying like that is when it gets destructive that's when it's a problem. Yeah. and unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you, when you least feel like doing it is the time mm. 
normally when you should be talking to someone. Yeah, yeah. Sounds okay. crazy because you do, yeah, I mean, I, I know myself. I didn't want to share a thing, you know. Mm. I didn't want to share that I was scared or tired or fed up with work or, you know, frustrated with my finances or anything like that. You know, I just didn't okay. do it. It's not what I did. So lo and behold, after years and years of living like that, it came out in really unexpected ways. Yeah. Where my... Mm. Yeah, I, I found my intelligence working against me. Yeah. Where, you know, again, having pictured scenarios, had conversations in my head with the person before that even happened, mm. you know, I, I'd rationalised and justified everything. Yeah, yeah, Unfortunately, I, I was wrong in that rationalisation and justification. <laughs> yeah, we only realised that a little too late. But, you know, what you just said, it, all of it was, resonates so highly with me. I, I'm, I, I think we might be twins. So, <laughs> for your sake, I sincerely hope not. Okay, cool. But no, I, I think if I if I'm if I'm like able to get to the point where I'm uh, as self as a, uh, self aware as you are, and you know can can really reflect, I think the turnaround time would be much quicker. And oh, uh, look, this, this didn't happen overnight. You know, this has yeah. been years in the making, and to get comfortable enough to talk to someone about this and to actually have someone else, you know, anyone else listen into this that maybe mm. a resident at some point, maybe they, they can actually get something from this. That's really the ultimate goal. You know, we, we are all deeply flawed human beings who are walking disasters. Mm. All of us. Yeah. Um, there is a way back, you know, for just about anything, you know, as, as bad as stuff can get, there's, there's normally a way. Yeah. There's very few things in this world that are utterly insurmountable. Mm. But trying to do it all on your own. That's that's not gonna be that's one sure way of sort of failing. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the entrepreneurial thing again, you know, you can yeah. hire an you can hire a lawyer, you can hire an HR specialist, or you can do it all yourself and see how you get on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you won't get on anywhere. Yeah, it's fine, you can do that and carry on regular yes, no worries. At some point you have to have faith in other people, you mm. know, to Find that bit and I lost mine for a while yeah and trying to stop it happening in other people is where I'd like to see this end up yeah wow this is uh, this has been a great conversation really I think I can speak to you for hours at the end uh but you know just for uh <laughs> our listeners sake do you have any uh last thoughts parting thoughts Last passing thoughts, Sean. If you are struggling with your mental health, it is okay to be doing that. Yeah. People are a lot more understanding mm. than you might, and that is across the board. The fact there's more awareness and education is good. The fact there's still the stigma attached to it is bad. Yeah. But you would be surprised how many people who are absolutely insane and nuts wander around on a daily basis looking completely normal that's true absolute lunatics wandering around among us true every day and they're not stopping either i hate to tell mm. you this that they're, mm. they're everywhere um finding the point where you recognize that you do need a wee bit of help mm. in whatever form that takes sometimes can come too late but there is no shame in it yeah there's no shame in needing a little bit of help every now and again because everybody does yeah all of us do we weren't really put here on this planet to do it all on our own like that that's that's stupid right like as a perception otherwise there wouldn't be so many people <laughs> if we yeah. were right yeah so, yeah i think uh, absolutely 
Correct. This has been such a lovely conversation. Thank you so much, Colin, for taking out you know time in your busy schedule to talk to me. Uh, it has been lovely. I think uh, I feel like I found a friend in you, and uh, thank you so much. No worries. Have a great uh, week. We'll catch you soon. Thanks, Tarisha. Thank you so much, Colin.